What do you think Scott Stapp's up to? Uh, no, don't answer man, that. No I one cares. <laughs> Brunch! Hit it, boys! You've begun listening to Phoebe Bridgers. I have. I think that's like the the number one talking point. I threw out all my notes. I saw you tweet like listening to Phoebe Bridgers. And yep. I was like, well, there's this week's content. So <laughs> folks, you don't want <laughs> to listen to a couple of couple of fellows talking about listening to Phoebe Bridgers, then get See the hell week. out of it. Right. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Uh, yeah. And finding out about Phoebe Bridgers or like really like the final straw of getting me into Phoebe Bridgers was the weirdest sort of channel possible, the Between Two Ferns movie. But it's not that... Like, if someone were to tell me uh, there's going to be a musical cameo in this, I would first say the guy from The National, because he's, like, big in the comedy scene. He's, like, friends with all the okay. those people. So then why is he so fucking boring? Exactly. Oh, my God, The National. You should... The national is. I'm trying to think of like the player that the, the like the athlete that the national is, where it's like you are a six foot five quarterback with like the arm of God. Why are you so terrible at throwing the football? Like That's Joe the national Flacco? Is. right? Yeah, the national is Joe Flacco, except like you should have been able to tell. Like people could watch Joe Flacco when he was in college and be like, this guy's fine in Division One AA. Let's not make him a first round pick and the nfl was like no nah, let's for sure make this guy a first round pick but yeah then the national might be joe flacco where it's like is the national elite? you've got a lot of things going for you you're like right. cool aren't they canadian i don't know uh i don't I know anything so. about the national I just i'll like tell you this about the national every time they do uh it's uh national siblings day on twitter yeah i always post a picture of uh the two guys from the national and i say happy national siblings day and nobody gets it. I'm like, don't the, Nas- the National have to have fans? <laughs> they're from Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, so yeah, they're not that cool. Why do I think they're co- Oh, because uh, Will Forte loves them. Okay. If they were from Canada, you know that the NHL would be all over that. That's true, right? The National would be like, hey, your team's losing. Want to be even more depressed? <laughs> Here's the National. Yeah, the National. I don't, I don't get the National. I've, I'll, be, I'll be honest. People will say, like, uh, Anna Horford's a big national fan. And really? She's like, yeah, they're, they're her favorite band. Wow. And she's like, you just probably haven't listened to them enough. And I was like, that's true. I haven't listened to them a lot. And then I'll go and listen to, like, 15 seconds of one of their songs. <laughs> and they're like, I hate when people do that. Because I'm like, you don't know. If someone's like, I checked out Father Job Missy. I didn't really get them. I'm like, that's not true because I you told got- you to check them out an hour ago. Why are you back to me within an hour? You right. need to spend, like, five weeks on this. You haven't put the effort in. But right. it's like, it's I'm, I... I, I don't know why I have maybe it's partly because of what you and your aversion. What a what a what a guy thing that we're like, hey, let's talk about Phoebe Bridgers, and within three <laughs> seconds we're like, let's just shit on this band full of dudes instead. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know why my aversion to the national is so strong. It might be partly because of you. Are you hot in here? I am hot. Okay, in here. I can turn on the I'm AC working, yeah, if you want. If you could, yeah, I don't understand what's I'll happening. Give it a little little break temperature wise. I'm also. This is like the first time. I've sweat in since since the injury. I've just been sitting around. How's like, it? How's the uh, the update on the health? By the way, it will be better eventually. My thing was so I was given a timeline for when it will be better, and uh, 
I'm going to Wolfpack at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. Ooh. So, in my mind, I changed the timeline to I'll be better Friday. <laughs> Friday, I will be fine, and I'll be able to bop around. I'll be dancing. I'll be grooving. I'll be doing the whole nine on the f- in their floor seats, so a lot of standing. Okay. Long-ass time. So, I was like, all right, Friday, I'll be better. I got to tell you, I don't think I'm... I don't think I'm on pace. I think I'm more on the uh, the doctor's schedule, which is disappointing. Because okay. athletes always come back. Yeah, like, oh, this guy, back. this guy is going to be to like five months, and then like three minutes later, they're like, "Ooh, he's lifting though. <laughs> Ooh, he's walking. He's skating." And like, this is all the same day. And then they always it always ends up being like kind of what they said in the first place, but people just get so excited by progress. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. They're like they're like, ooh, he's uh, he he's like he's working speaking. out. That must like, mean he can play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless you're just a Dano Chara, right? Where it's like, oh, he's actually he's he's speaking, so he's going to play. Did you uh, did you see the video of the players trying to pronounce the new Nesson reporter's name? I did not. So she has a Polish name that's like that's difficult I'll, I'll tell you i'm good at pronouncing things phonetically and i looked it's at impossible. it and i got yeah. it totally wrong <laughs> yeah um i had some of the I, I i was there were like three things there were like three moves you had to do i did like one of them right <laughs> and it's like all the can the north american players just butchering it and it's like this long video of them going through and trying different things and like some of them are laughable. It, right? uh and then they just go to chara and he's just like, I will obviously say, and he just says it perfectly. Really? And then oh like Halak God. says it like pretty close to right, and then Pasternak says it right, and it's just like the Eastern European people uh, smarter. It's almost like they're they're from there, right? And they and they know they yeah they 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 get a, a general lay of the land. Uh, <laughs> anyway, do we want to go back to Phoebe Bridgers yes. or the national? <laughs> uh, Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, All right, yeah, but she's national. Wildly... You 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 you're still on watch, right? Uh, Phoebe Bridgers wildly depressing, but I'm very into it. Phoebe Bridgers is like the second best singer songwriter these days. Who's the first? Father John Misty, I think. Okay, uh, but she is. Her, she has amazing lyrics, amazing songs. Something about her voice, though, and it's almost like there. Her voice is on a lot of her songs is just like double tracked, and it's kind of the same sound a lot, but it's always chilling. Like I'm not the biggest yeah. Phoebe Bridgers fan. I would say that Phoebe Bridgers is probably at the top of the list of people I really like and know are awesome. But I don't, I'm, I don't catch myself listening to them a ton. Like honestly, I've listened to, I've probably listened to Boy Genius and Better Oblivion Community Center, which, which are is like an awesome, other pro- awesome side project name. Yeah, Better Oblivion Community yeah. Center. Yeah. yeah, Dylan Thomas is. Do you know that song? Yeah, that yeah. song is unbelievable. So much so, so one, I, I, I'll say a couple of my friends are huge Phoebe Bridgers fans, and uh, I asked one of them, I was like. Is Connor Oberst even good? Like, is that just good because it's a Phoebe Bridgers thing? Because I like Dylan Thomas rules as a song, and I'm like, does she need a dude like singing an octave lower? But people love Connor Oberst too, so really, okay. he's not quite in my. He's uh, Bright Eyes. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't so know that. He's not quite in my national realm <laughs> of I don't get it, but. He's like I, I take my friend's word for it that okay. he's anything special. But I mean, Bridgers rules. You you said that like her voice is chilling. Yeah. I don't know if I put it necessarily on this level yet, but uh, 
she sort of gives me like the same vibe as like the Cranberries lead singer, where like every time I heard the Cranberries lead singer, I was like, oh my god, like kind of you kind of get like. Well, like, she the was more, uh, and I'm forgetting her name now. What was her name? She had a uh, D- Dolores. I think so. Yeah, it was like very uh, Irish. Yeah, she was see. more kind of. Uh, like commanding she was more like yeah whereas phoebe bridgers is more like timid yeah like and like and haunting right like uh her best song what do you think her best song is uh i i mean i really like funeral okay funeral or uh uh motion sickness motion sickness is great scott street is one of my favorite songs i haven't heard i hadn't heard it until like a year ago, one of my friends uh, got me like put that on a playlist, and I was like, "Yo, so this is Phoebe Bridgers." Because I'd listened to like Boy Genius and uh, right, and I don't think con- uh, the the Better Oblivion Community Center thing was happening yet. But uh, one of my friends in particular is obsessed with Boy Genius because he loves all three of them, and I love that song. Uh, me and my dog but scott street was the song that made me like okay i get it this is like some next level singer songwriter you're gonna get chills the entire time how about this what uh scott street Mm -hmm. what about scott stapp scott stapp yeah feeling like a feeling like a creed member (laughs) what do you think scott stapp's up to uh, no, don't answer man, that. No I one cares. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I did enjoy. I, the, don't, don't, I did don't. enjoy the uh, the that joke and the between two ferns movie. What was where it? he was interviewing Tessa Thompson? And yeah. He was like, "What was it like to work with Scott Stapp?" And oh she, yeah. She was like, uh, "Who's that?" He's like, uh, "The lead singer of Creed." She's like, "I was in the the movie Creed, not the band." So uh, between two ferns movie sucked, but all of the the best parts were Phoebe Bridgers cameo, which. To get back to my original point, like Phoebe Bridgers is so L.A. that I wasn't surprised that she was a cameo. Like she's almost, uh, she's probably even higher than Tillman on the list of this person would be a cameo in a comedy thing. Although well, Tillman, they, they both knocked punch, that out of the park. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, was uh, he actually? Was he? He was actually in the. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. he. I can't remember if. Uh, he's actually playing or if they just like kind of put the song in. But I remember he was playing, it was uh Chateau lobby uh, for, for two virgins, because that was the first song I'd ever tried listening to by father John Misty. And I listened to it when I, I, th- I put it on a run playlist. Uh, Cause my friend, same one who is crazy about Phoebe Bridgers was like, dude, you would love father John Misty. You got to check him out. So I, and he, he had a show coming up. And I was like, I'll listen to him and decide if I want to go. And I put that song because it was the most played on Spotify on my run playlist. And I was like, oh, this. Okay, (laughs) I I immediately understand what he's going for. No, thank you. You all have fun. (laughs) So then when uh, he was in Master of None playing that, I was like, oh, that song. (laughs) And now it's like one of my favorite songs by him. Uh, But yeah, he and... uh, he and Bridgers, I think, are both like so heavily L.A., even if he's not from L.A., that it didn't surprise me that he was in that. But the best parts of the movie, other than seeing Phoebe Bridgers for a second, and that stupid... What's his name? Aaron Dessner? Dessner is the last name of the national people? No, uh, uh, Matt Baring something? 
That's, oh, that's, right. Yeah, He's yeah. the singer. And then, yeah. and then the brother is the... It's not like an arcade fire situation where... It's, there's two brothers. Uh, I think I think it begins with like a D. Desner. Is it? Right? I don't know. Let's look up. Man, this ended up being such a national episode. No, Devendorf. Oh, no. Des- there's a Scott Devendorf and... Samsonite. <laughs> yeah. Deven- <laughs> there's a Devendorf and two Desners. Yo, Aaron man. That, that band really gives you the D. Wow. Whoa, <laughs> there's two sets of brothers? No. Yes. Really? Members. Matt Berninger... Aaron Dessner, Bryce Dessner, Brian Devendorf, and Scott Devendorf. Ooh. What the heck? Man. So do you think that that, uh, that the Matt Berninger, and that is the one that was in uh, the Between Two Ferns, uh, do you think that he's like, like calls his siblings and is like, hey, can you come on tour with me and just like hang out? Got a lot of They're not his siblings. I'm like the only per no, he's like I'm like the only person in the band that oh, doesn't right, have yeah. family here. That's true. I don't know. Uh speaking of bands Maybe and that's brothers. Why he's so sad and boring. Yeah. Speaking of bands and brothers, uh we are officially announcing the boycott of Ford versus Ferrari <laughs> because in the trailer I saw when I went to see Ad Astra, they yeah. played the Greta Van Fleet song. And I don't Is feel like doing song? the legwork. Yeah, Highway no, Tune. Highway Tune, yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, I didn't feel like doing the legwork to find out whether or not they play that in the movie so I can know if I can avoid it. <laughs> All I know is they are uh, they're associated. They're getting into bed with Greta Van Fleet. They're not denouncing Greta Van Fleet. So Disappointing. Ford versus Ferrari. Sorry. F- f- ver- canceled, very canceled. All right. I'm disappointed because I want I wanted to see that movie and now I can't. I couldn't tell if I wanted to see that movie. I mean, it has Christian Bale and and, and uh, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. So yes, I'm in. Right, but it's like it's cars. I, right. I'm learning as I watch these movies. I don't care a lot about a lot of the subjects, like a lot of the main <laughs> topics. Like we'll talk about Ad Astra. I realized one minute in the movie, I was like, oh shit, I don't care about space. <laughs> that, that does happen a lot where it's like, oh, I go see this movie and then you sit down and it starts and you're like, fuck, I don't care about this movie at all. <laughs> it's been happening to me more and more and more. And I, I, I can't give other examples, but when it happened with Ad Astra, I was like, oh man, I got two hours of this and I don't care about like, there better be some like, some other stuff and like not and not like guns or sex or whatever is the the general other stuff thrown into movies there's just got to be something else i feel like that that probably happens to us more than happens to like a regular normal person because like we feel like an obligation to see a lot of these movies and for most people they go to the movies when they want to go to the movies for sure (laughs) so uh for for us i I think you kind of sit down and you're like Eh, I don't want to be here. You know who we are? We're uh, baseball beat writers. Yeah, where that's people true. are like, oh, how do I, I, man, some of my friends do this, so I'm going to be careful. But I hate when people criticize, like, it's usually baseball beat writers for being frustrated with their job. I don't people blame are them like, at all. How could honestly. you complain about, like, you, you get to go to games of blah, blah, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's some real, like, first world problems and everything. Like, hey, it's a job, right. and it's really, really long. It's way more time consuming than most jobs, and at the core of it, it's baseball. So, right? yes, they can complain, yeah, they and can de- I can they feel can very complain. bad for them. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, I, I thank God every day. 
that I am a huge hockey fan and that like that's my primary responsibility because yes. it happens in the winter months. You mm-hmm. got the entire summer off. It's very not busy during the summer. Right. These baseball writers have to go every single day, sit through like four hour games, lose their summer nights like lose their entire summer basically, and, and you know what time they get there? The you know what time they get there for the like seven o'clock 2 game? PM. Like one thirty, two p.m. And they stand they go around until like mid at midnight. Yes, they stand around waiting for one or two players to come out and talk, so they can go do their work. And when they go do their work, everyone follows them over, and it's everything turns into a scrum. So it, it I imagine a lot of times it doesn't feel very fulfilling. Right, and then after the game ends, they go, they do their press conferences again and then they go to the club hosts again that is a i mean it's still like a first world problems thing but it is well, by a far jo- it's a it job is, it is like, by far the the worst beat to be on i would in agree. my mind i would agree and i i feel i think very highly of my friends who do it and like have still have passion for it right <laughs> and still like love doing it i uh like i i never i if i had stayed uh being a hockey beat writer I don't think I would have gotten sick of hockey. Like I, I just no. don't think that that job does that to you the way that it might with baseball. But man, like, and these people still love baseball. I imagine. I don't know. Just, just if if they if they send out a tweet like this game is still going. I've been here since whatever. Like, yeah, it's because the game's still going and they've been there forever and they're a human, so they're probably frustrated with it. Right. You are totally allowed. To just feel how you feel and articulate how you feel. They're not saying, I hate baseball. They're not saying, I hate my job. They're saying, this uh, strenuous job that I'm doing right now is uh, a little tough on me. So I wish, uh, it were, I wish it were a little easier. Right. So this one goes out to baseball beat writers. Yeah. like They're like, hey, you know what I could go for right now? A game that I know is going to be over in two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> also, speaking of which, uh, happy belated birthday to Bruce Springsteen. Happy belated birthday to Bruce Springsteen, the boss. The boss. What's your favorite uh, time you saw him? Uh, I'll tell you my least favorite time I saw him. Right. Uh, blinded by the light. You didn't see him in that, though. Saw him uh, at the end. TV. Saw him at the end. And the pictures? A lot of posters. A lot of posters, a lot of pictures. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen's good. And I've I, only seen him once. I'm happy for... You've actually gone to a Bruce Springsteen concert? Yeah. I, uh, I had... Bloody- I had to like check it off. How, how long did, did he play? Like four hours. <laughs> Legitimately, he played Sweet, for four hours. Man, so uh, you I know think, what? I think doors opened at like seven, and he was playing at six forty-five. So imagine being like a Bruce Springsteen like roadie or the person who does the sound at a Bruce Springsteen concert or something. That's, <laughs> That's like being a baseball beat writer. <laughs> it's being a baseball beat writer. You're like, oh, he's still playing. Look, I'm glad. Look, hey, look, American institution. It's uh, it's hey, it's great. Love, love it, love my country. Okay, God bless America. But I think we just exposed the connection between like baseball beat writers and and Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, they, they, they fetishize <laughs> old American things that, that go take on way, way too, too long. long. <laughs> yeah, that's the connection. Except, fortunately, baseball fans don't tell you. Actually, you know what? They they might tell you like how many stadiums they've been to, but they don't typically do the like. I've watched I've, I've watched baseball games 3, this year. Thousand baseball games. Yeah. I've watched three. Oh man, the I, I went last night. Cool. Well, how'd they play? Oh, dude. They, oh, they brought in a setup man. Oh, I saw him bringing a setup man <laughs> once. 
No, they don't really bring in setup. Not not like the last few years they don't bring in setup, God. man. The worst. Let's talk about the holidays. Oh, the holidays. They only come once a year. This time every year. When you're blue. And you just want the holidays to come this time each year. Oh, the holidays, they come and they go three times a year. Happy holidays! Let's talk about the holidays. It's crazy early to talk about the holidays, I know. But trust me, you don't want to go through another holiday season taking closed mouth photos while everyone else is grinning ear to ear, do you? Getting a photo-ready smile starts now, and it's easier than ever with clear aligners from Candid. Candid's aligners can help straighten your teeth faster than traditional wire braces. Treatment takes just six months on average. An experienced orthodontist who is licensed in your state creates a custom treatment plan. Then they show you a 3D preview so you can see how your teeth will look after you're done. Candid's aligners are comfortable, removable, and completely invisible. Candid ships aligners directly to you, so there's no hassle of going to an orthodontist's office, and Candid costs 65% less than braces. And with each aligner purchased, Candid donates $25 to Smile Train, who brings safe, 100% free cleft lip and palate treatment to children around the globe. Get your photo-ready smile by the holidays. Go to candidco.com slash brunch and use code brunch to get $75 off. That's candidco.com slash brunch, code brunch for $75 off. Candidco.com slash brunch, code brunch. So, Phoebe Brunch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's uh no let's let's kick off a Phoebe Bridges discussion. Okay, we ended up we did some that that was some we did some Phoebe Bridges thorough Phoebe Bridges talk. Yeah. Uh, I've, I'll tell you uh, while you're while you're uh, running the streets hand in hand arm in arm with your new musical love, I've uh, I've taken a musical lover myself. Oh yeah, who's that? Shouts out Alex Cameron. All right, and yeah. uh, I'll tell you. I've realized people had been telling me to listen to this guy like two years ago, and I was ignoring them. Didn't realize that until I finally started checking them out, and I did like a... Hey, you heard of this guy? Right. Yeah. And someone was like, you... I get that every time I do that, because I am just the master of waiting five years to check something out. Don't I know it? I got in on Heim like way after... Not way after, but like, like four months after Days Are Gone came out, and... In the Heim timeline, it was like there was Heim hype for like four years, and then they finally came out with that album. And when they, by the time they came with an album, if you were like just getting into Heim, you were a poser and a half because that like people because right because they take because they take forever to put out albums. Right, you talk about whether or not they're (laughs) going to put out an album, and then uh, they they do it, but they were too busy. They were they were doing the Forever Eight EP with. 
my guy, uh, what's who's uh, who's having a moment? Uh, shoot, uh, uh, Ludwig Göransson. Uh, Ludwig Göransson uh, did forever. People forget that. Pretty cool. Um, so this Alex Cameron guy, man, he swept me off my feet. He's filling the misty void in my life because he's an he has very 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 simple songs, but they're well produced. They're produced by this Jonathan Ratto guy. Which who's that? So he's uh, Foxygen. Oh, I, I like that guy. Yes, but he has produced. I, I like. I put it together the other day. I'm like, this guy has produced everything. Like the last five years, he did. Uh, I think I don't want to. I don't want to tell tales out of school. Let me see. It's like everything that Jack Antonoff's not doing, this guy's doing. Yes. So he did. Uh, yeah, he did God's Favorite Customer. Whoa. Uh, he did uh, Golden Age by Houndmouth. Ooh. He did, I think he I think he co-produced, he did something on um, Everybody's a Good Dog by uh, by Diane Coffey, because obviously they, they have the, the Foxygen tie-in. But let me go through this guy's credits, because he's done a lot. Um, What's Diane Coffey's tie-in with Foxygen? He was the drummer. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. talked about that. How I didn't know that. If you want to be the best frontman, you need to be the drummer of a band with Fox in the name. It's true. And then, how do you think, how do you think Diane Coffey and Nothing like Father John Misty would get Fox along? Foxvana. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what you Father John Misty and uh, Diane Coffey? Right. I don't know. I feel like Father John Misty's, uh, from what we've been told, he's somewhat of an easy guy to get along with. That's true. He's a cool dude. He's a chill dude, I think, was the Yes, that the was the... Right. We don't want to tell tells out of school, but Houndmouth reported that. They were <laughs> like, he's a good guy. Um, and he's uh, good friends with um, Wynn Butler. So okay. he's chill. He's cool. He's, he's got it all. Basically, what we're saying is... We like Father John Misty. We'd like to hang out. We, with him we'd, love, we'd like to, to hang. Please, please send word. Joshy, Joshy Tills, if you're ever... If you're ever tuning in, by the way, the the Father John Misty subreddit these days is looking bleak. Really, one of them it was just like "Miss You, Daddy," and it was a picture, and it was just a picture of Josh Tillman, and the comments said like, "And in year two of the album drought, they began just f- posting photos of <laughs> shit <him>. posting. <laughs> They're just like, yeah. So anyway, this Jonathan Ratto guy, I got a. Oh, he did Whitney's uh, last two albums. Whitney's great, and he uh, does this uh, Alex Cameron s- stuff. So, shout out Jonathan Ratto. This guy is, he's like the anti-Antonoff. That's true. He's doing all the good stuff. Uh, I just went to the Father John Misty Reddit, and the first, the pinned post is, Introducing, through the Father John Mists of time, a series <laughs> of posts taking us back through Father John Misty time, moments, etc., while we wait for what's next from the man himself. <laughs> Oh, do you see what's below it? (laughs) Through the Father John Mists of Time, number one. Father John Misty on the SS Coachella, 2012. (laughs) That's just him sitting on a boat. Oh, Uh, God. Um, That's when, you know, that's when he was uh, doing all the the karaoke. karaoke. Right. So I I read that, and uh, apparently Coachella only did one cruise. And it was like a bunch of people who were not popular at all. And he was like the lowest of all of them. Really? I don't even know if like he had an album out yet. Wow. But supposedly, 
people came away from it being like, that guy rules. What is this guy? <laughs> I love it. Uh, so uh, this, this Alex Cameron guy, man, I'll tell you, I'm crazy about him. He's uh, a fantastic lyricist. He s- does songs from the perspective of it's. They're almost all first person, but they're from the perspective of either failures or like bad people. Okay. Or like like douchebags. So some of the lyrics can be uh, shocking to <laughs> appalling. Like like one song in particular. If you guys listen to it. You'll know what I'm talking about when you get to it. I had to Google right away, like, wait a second. This guy isn't saying this stuff seriously, right? And he's, uh, he runs the gamut. And it's all, like, uh, so like I said, it's very, it's all, like, simple songs, but well-produced, like, very 80s sounding. And if you ever watch the guy, he's, like, this tall, awkward Australian man. And he's got very strange dance moves. He has a business partner that's always on stage with him named Roy Malloy. And Roy Malloy was the guy that saved the drowning... He was the musician that saved the drowning kid that uh, Anthony Jeselnik said, uh, stick to music. Remember that? No. <laughs> yeah. There was like a news story, like musician uh, like saves drowning child. And Anthony, one of his classic tweets, <laughs> Stick to music. <laughs> That's and awesome. It was at that time I retweeted that Anthony Justin like thing. This was like two years ago, and someone responded. They were like, "Hey, just making sure that you actually listen to these guys because they're really good." And I was like, "Wow, get out of here, loser! <laughs> Never going to listen to these guys." Um, and here you are. But he's great. Yeah, yeah. He so um, I, I he was recommended to me by uh, a pal, and I listened to a couple of songs, and I was like, "Yo, these are good." One of them in particular, "Running Out of Luck" with Brandon Flowers, is amazing. And uh, I didn't think much of it. And then the other day on Spotify, I was like, Alex Cameron has a new album. So I listened to it. Man, it's so good. And then I looked up what it's about. A lot of it's about having sex with, uh, you know, Jemima Kirk? No. Do you watch Girls? No. You didn't? Nope. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. She's uh, just one of the girls. Okay. And uh, yeah, apparently they, like, they're like insufferable. Insufferable. Okay. Insufferable. <laughs> Well, I mean, she was on Girls, so there's a good, good chance. Yeah, but they like she makes all like she directs all of his music videos and everything, and it, you end up like piecing together like, okay, so he's got like a lot of like smart people working with him. So it's uh, okay. it's amazing. I would the songs I would recommend uh, again. Running out of luck is from his uh, second most recent album, but for this album, uh, he's got a song called Divorce that is amazing. He's got a song called Bad for the Boys, which is an unbelievable commentary on how men f- would feel about, like, 2019. Okay. And it's uh, it's basically from the perspective of a guy realizing, like, man, this stinks that all this bad stuff is happening to, to, to the fellas. Like, what'd they do? And he's going through it and, like, kind of glossing over that, like, they didn't really do anything wrong. And by the end of the song, it's like, oh, shit, they all did, uh, like, the, the guys who are getting in trouble are the ones who are doing bad things. So, But it's very, it's way more lyrically clever than that. So uh, check them out. That entire album is great. Uh, the song Miami Memory, uh, that's one that's about Jemima and is uh, quite graphic. So if 
just don't listen to this guy with with uh, <laughs> w- without headphones. Okay, but Alex uh, Support from Brunch comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's a dangerous game taking care of the taking care of yourself and manscaping. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls because that's disgusting and you should be Exiled from society if you do that. Manscaped also has a crop preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body, which I hope is not the smelliest part of your body, because... That's disgusting, and you should be exiled from society. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BRUNCH at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your private parts will thank you. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BRUNCH at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Promo code BRUNCH. Hey, uh... I've got a question. Want to get back to Phoebe Bridges? Yeah, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> close though. Do you know who Phoebe Waller Bridge is? I didn't until the other day. Yeah, right. I, that was one of my notes. Really? But then you started talking about Phoebe Bridges the whole time. Like, and I, Alex Cameron, all this shit. I'm like, man, let me get to my Emmy points. Right. Like, so I completely missed the Emmys because I was in Disney, which was exhausting oh, yeah. but amazing. Uh, I had a great time. My first trip to Disney. Walked way more and saw way more children than I ever want to see yeah, ever let's again. Let's spend a minute on this. Let's spend a minute on this. What'd you do in Disney? Uh, I hit the parks. Hit not, the, not you to, went to the to, parks. Not to brag. Ooh. Went to the park. Did you? Uh, what was the lines? Did you get like the fast pass? Uh, I did get some fast passes, but the lines weren't as bad as a lot of people uh, complain about. I noticed that last time I went was probably three to five years ago. How many and times b- have you been? Between uh, probably probably three. Really? So not a lot. That's uh, m- I know, man. I know people. People go like people I know, like every season. Yes, right. Like, not every year. Yeah, <laughs> every season. <laughs> yes. um, which I mean, that's that's dope. When uh, when Andy's saying to Angela that like one of these days we're gonna live in Disney's whatever it is. What's it called? Magic Kingdom. Something Village. Oh, the Enchanted Village. Yeah, or whatever. Like, we're gonna live you around the Enchanted Village. I'm like, man. That's not a bad life. Uh, yeah, honestly, like that would be pretty dope. So uh, too many kids. I went a few years ago, and uh, I think that so many people use the fast pass thing mm-hmm. that now instead of like one area where there's no line and one area where there's a really long line, it's just, like there's two areas where there's a little bit of a line. Yeah, I mean, like so, like this was a down season, I guess, for uh, for the park. Uh, relatively, because right. it's always crazy season. Uh, so, like, for the first three days, we didn't have a wait longer than, like, 40 minutes anywhere, which isn't isn't bad. Like, I would say probably an average 25 minutes. That's not terrible. It's not bad at all. It's easy to do. And a lot of these lines have, like, things to look at and things, like, interactive parts of the line. So yeah. it wasn't bad at all. It's, uh, did you, so you did like Epcot? Yeah, I did Epcot and it was the food and wine festival at Epcot, which was very, very cool. Uh, awesome. Uh, Epcot's just like amazing. Epcot rules. Yeah. Epcot was great. Magic Kingdom was great. I did that. I did, uh, Animal Kingdom. 
Did you do the... Uh, is, is Animal Kingdom the one that has the craziest ride? What's the craziest ride? The one... It's the roller coaster that goes all the way up and then it goes backwards and... Oh, gets, yeah, that's the, top that's the Everest the one? Yes. Yes, I did do that. Yeah. And I'm not a roller coaster. Same, so I, same. I went to Disney, and I was like, I'm not a roller coaster guy. So but I might I'm have not to skip. a rapper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Might have to skip some of these uh, some of these rides. But but I did it, and like it was a different roller coaster experience because like the, the biggest thing that I hate about roller coasters is, one, like, feel like i'm gonna die mm-hmm. uh because and like the entire thing shakes the entire way these were like smooth roller coasters oh yeah and also like i also hate when i'm on a roller coaster and i look over the side and it's just like pavement yeah because i have a, a fear of heights and just a fear of falling to my death and smashing on the pavement these were sort of like enclosed roller coasters where there's stuff around you yeah these are uh D- disney is the place where a non-roller coaster person can do every ride yeah. and some of them like uh Everest, those are going to really push your limits. Like that, that pushed my limits. Really? Yeah. I didn't think that Everest was bad at all. Really? Yeah. Everest was, I loved Everest. I love Splash Mountain. I Splash love uh, great. the, uh, what's the, the best one? The is Thunder Mountain. Thunder Mountain Railroad? Yeah. That one's fun, but that's like, that's like a, that's one is more like kitty. Right. Uh, my favorite one is, uh, did you do Rock and Roller Coaster? I did not. Oh, really? Yeah. Rock and Roller Coaster is the best. It's really? It's so quick, but it's great. That one, like, you go super fast and you go upside down and stuff. Like, yeah. That's, that seems like that but would test my limits. I'll tell you, it doesn't as much as uh, as Everest does. Like, really? Everest was my least favorite one. Really? I okay. did not like getting to the top and then going backwards. I thought, I thought that was great. Man. So I think I might be a roller coaster guy now. I don't <laughs> so, know. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Bit of badass. Did you... Uh, two questions. Did you get the grapefruit beer in Germany at Epcot? Uh, I don't think they so. They have that in stores now, so it's not as big a deal. You can get that. I, I did. Right I now. did a pomegranate beer. Is oh, and that was near. Ger- I think that was in Germany. Okay, so maybe that. Maybe was it's different. the same company. I forget the. Let me look up uh, grapefruit beer. I forget the name of it, but uh, they oh uh, Schofferhofer. <laughs> sure. No, yeah. I, I did. Uh, I did the pomegranate one, and the pomegranate one was delicious. Yeah. So that that's great. And uh, you do a Dole Whip. I sure did. Yes. Yeah. I did a Dole Whip, and I did a Dole Whip with rum. Ooh. And uh, dude, th- there that was so good. I've that's like the one thing that I left Epcot. Like, oh man, I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss the Dole Whip. I gotta check. I think a Dole Whip might be like the thing they do in Philadelphia. The uh, Philadelphia does a. Uh, I think it's called water ice. And it's like, well, it's all not, ice is water ice. It's not quite slush, and it's not quite Italian ice. But it reminded me of a Dole Whip. I'd had a Dole Whip way before I had had this Philadelphia thing. Uh, Philadelphia listeners, give a shout if you have any <laughs> idea what we're talking about. But I had that this summer, and they put like a little custard in it. Man, very very good. Okay, it's like it, it was reminiscent of the old D Whip. Man, the D Whip was spectacular. I that's that's one of the takeaways that you have when you go to Disney World. If you get a Dole Whip, yeah, you're like this is the best. Did you do Tower of Terror? Sure did. How'd that you, was terrifying. Like yeah, I wasn't. It was uh, wasn't it was thrilled. different than I expected because I expected it to be like, like you know, like when you're outside, the the things sort of open. Yeah, I expected like you to be able to see out over the park and then you drop, but like you don't really get to I see the park much. You do. I didn't. I didn't see. Like it was. We looked through like the sign. There was just a little bit, and then oh, okay. you fucking drop. There's it was also crazy. 
I don't know how many. Are there two different uh, ways it can go? Maybe there's know. more than that. I don't know. But yeah, there's like uh, there's like different uh, tracks or whatever. Okay. There. The there. worst part about it was uh, when it when it puts you up and you don't stop. Yeah. And, and so you sort of just have like that moment of like you're hanging there oh, and yeah. then you drop. That's yes. the absolute worst part of that ride. Right. Yeah. Right. It makes you feel like you're on like a bungee cord. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's when you feel like is this safe? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but like that like one second where you're where you're like going up and kind of just hanging there, and before you drop, it's like that's the absolute absolute worst part because that's like when your stomach sort of hangs there and fall did you get uh any of the characters to talk no i didn't what you should do is uh (laughs) this would be super mean just like go over to one of the characters and like talk to them or whatever and then just start yell it started talking it started talking (laughs) and like get that person fired even no matter what like who they're gonna believe yeah, right. They true. want. They want. Customers always right. Right. They don't want that smoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also did Universal Studios. I've never. Which done uh, is was served as a great reminder of just how good Disney is because we went to Universal and it was like, eh, this feels pretty stale and like outdated and the people aren't as nice. Uh-huh. It's not as clean. Uh, like Universal, more it, like a Six Flag vibe. Six Flags vibe. Sort of like it's not that bad, but. Uh, Universal just seems like it's Harry Potter world and then everything else mm. because that's the only thing that's great there. The mummy ride there was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> right? All right. Uh, uh, but what about, do you know Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Waller-Bridge. Uh, I did not know her and I watched, uh, I was going back and forth between the Emmys and the Rams and Browns game and every time I f- changed the channel, it wasn't because I wanted to get to the other thing. It was because what I was watching sucked. <laughs> so that game, that football game, was terrible. Glad I, am I didn't miss the so Emmys. out on the Browns. I am so I knew the Browns were going to suck this year. So out on them, and uh, the Emmys was a pretty pretty rough watch. Okay, they had, uh, you know, they uh, the like uh, announcer when someone wins as they're walking up, yeah. they would be like, "This, this is so and so's food." Yeah. They had Thomas Lennon. You know Thomas Lennon? No. The actor, you'd know him. He's uh, he's in everything, but he's uh, the guy from uh, In I Love You, Man. Oh, I, guy, yeah, right. I know this guy. He's he, the... Uh, he, is he, he's the... He wrote Night at the Museum, I think? Okay, I, yeah, I absolutely know who this guy is, but he's just like... Th- he's one of those that guys. Right, he's like a <laughs> yeah. character actor. Yeah. He's uh, And he's funny, but they just had him make jokes... And he was so bad. He's from uh, Reno 911. Oh, right. It, but it, it was so brutal. It was a very, very tough watch. So Yikes. I hate to watch him. The Emmys. <coughs> the that guy has a stunning lack of lips. Mm. His lips are very thin. Interesting. Like Father John Misty's eyebrows. Um, yeah. Uh, he, he stunk and the, the show stunk. But... I was like, I don't know who this Phoebe Waller-Bridge person is, but I love her, and I, I think I'm going to stand her, because everybody everybody's crazy about her, and she seemed to just have this tremendous right. way about her, <laughs> that I was like, I don't know anything that you do, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan. Fleabag is her thing? Yeah, I guess And then so, she yeah. has uh, the other thing that was way big. She got two things that were very big, uh, but congratulations to her for winning everything. I was mad because I wanted uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus to... Get that ninth statue, but 
so I think like the two the two things that I saw coming as somebody who didn't watch the Emmys, but like my two takeaways was that everybody's obsessed with Phoebe Waller Bridge, and I had no idea who she was. And number two, uh, a lot of people are are wondering whether uh, whether Bill Hader is hot. Oh no, they weren't. I was, I saw multiple people asking whether Bill Hader is hot or not. Oh, so I so. I saw my pal uh, Nora Princiati from the Globe tweeted like Bill Hader is hot. End of story. Odd uh, that she was just like volunteering that he's hot. So was was this as part of some debate that was taking place? I just saw a lot of people asking it. Man, just so I think that like feel I think, how you feel. I think that's a that's like a thing. He's now. not like across the board a sex symbol. He's he's he'd be kicked out of the Tillman family, but he's fine. You know what? You know what I think it is. I think it's like a Bill Hader is sort of having a moment kind of oh, deal. Oh, okay, right. Right. His stock is very high right now. He's like years into a moment, though. He's been having a moment for a while. Yeah, but no, but we've had this discussion because like Bill Hader has always been in stuff, yeah. and he's always been popular, and he was uh, a staple right, like, of SNL. Everybody's always known who Bill Hader, but is. but Bill Hader, right? Everybody's known who he is, but he has not been like an A lister. He's not been a leading right. man. I think he's now coming into his own, not only as a leading man, but as like a leading man who is spearheading projects, right, and doing really well with it. Like he's becoming respected yes i would agree with that um but yeah looks wise like yeah i wouldn't kick him out of bed but he's he's not unbelievable right i think that he's just like a he's a he's an endearing guy and sort of like a like a nice guy sort of uh he's got a nice guy sort of vibe to him yes but also like he he could be like the damaged guy yes yeah 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 He's like the nice guy with a little bit of mystery and a little bit of like pain behind those eyes. Yeah, he's uh, g- good for him though. I'm glad that he continues to to have a moment. I will say that the audition and the uh, child episode were both nominated for something. Mm-hmm. They was in the same category, and I so wanted the audition to win so everyone would lose their mind and be like, "Oh, but that episode was so good." We ended up overrating that episode. The, the one with the crazy kid? No. Oh no, the kid one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like people got carried away. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I don't think it was the best episode of that right. season. Yeah, I think, I it think was, the audition was right, and I just think that that people sort of were stunned by the by the kid episode, right? And for good reason. Right. Like, that, that, took that was the, a talker. Yeah, and that took the episode to like a or took the series to like a new place. What uh, what surprises me is that uh, Sarah Goldberg. I'm gonna check because I didn't watch all of this. Uh, but did okay? She was she was nominated. I don't know if this was this year or last year. Oh, is this? No, it says she wasn't nominated. I don't know. Anyway, Sarah Goldberg didn't win for best supporting actress in a comedy series. Don't know if she was nominated, but she should have gotten real consideration. I thought that she was. She's very good. Awesome this year. Yeah, I don't watch everything, so I can't like really have a strong right. take the on Emmys that. Right, is always a going back to our was our second episode. We shouldn't have done an Emmys episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, the, people get upset about the Emmys because like the the one TV show that they watch didn't win. That's what, and that's why I get so mad uh, with the Grammys and the Oscars, where people will be. I mean, I mean, you remember after Casey Musgraves won Album of the Year, yeah, and people were like, "But my favorite album didn't win." It's like, oh well, did you listen to the Casey Musgraves album? No, but it's like, all right. Unfortunately, you're not qualified <laughs> to say whether or not. 
Right. This should this the, should have the won. only the only award show where I really feel um like Oscars. Yeah, where I really feel like I have authority to have takes mm. is the Oscars because it's easier to to see everything. Right. Grammys is Grammys is easy to fake. Like you can play catch up like the morning of the Grammys and be like, I'm gonna listen to like I'm gonna make a playlist with like two songs from each of these albums. <laughs> but, but music is I think I think music is the toughest one to do because music is so based in like repetitiveness mm-hmm. and listening to things over and over and over again. Like that's why I, I don't understand how anybody could be a music critic. Yeah. Because you have to listen to something for like a couple days and then form a take on it when so much of music is like you listen to something, and then like months later, you have so a different, true. different sort of take on it. That is so bang on. And I've been recently watching, um, Anthony. You know this guy, Anthony, whatever. He's the needle drop. No, Anthony. No. He's like the he's the the world's busiest music nerd. You definitely know him if you saw him. He's got this big following, and he makes these videos. Uh, they're kind of Steve Dangle esque. A lot of cuts. Okay. Uh, so where YouTube-esque. he reviews right where he reviews albums. And I'm I've gone back and watched his reviews of some albums, and there are a lot like that where it's like, man, you're you either don't know music very well, you're not very comfortable talking about music, or you just haven't spent enough time with this album. And I think that the latter, to your point, would happen a lot with music critics because it's like, all right, hey, you've got a few days with this album, what do you think? And then it 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 takes me like years sometimes to figure out songs like right. i thought i thought the the first time i heard the night josh tillman came to our apartment for like months i was like this song is hilarious but it's very sexist so maybe you don't want to maybe you don't want to listen to it and then like like there's a just year a lot later of i was like oh wait no this is a commentary oh okay this is what he's saying Oh, he's saying that okay that that a lot of times when you're pointing out how bad something is, you're being worse than the thing that you're criticizing. Oh, okay, and like it that just no one's smart enough to on the first listen right. say this is what this person's going for. Like, I get it. Like the entire music critic genre should basically just be like at the end of the year, we'll we'll like have rankings of these albums because right. we've spent an entire year with them or something like that. Right. I uh, it's so funny you brought it up because I did have the real I had the realization this week that I, I don't know if there are any music critics that I'm like man this person is the best and I totally trust them whereas with hockey like or sports or whatever like I have the people that I think in each sport are the best at commenting on that sport and are comfortable. I don't know that there's somebody right now under the age of like. 50 who can really eloquently like break something down on the spot that's not necessarily but true. The, I, have, I, also, I have like some friends that can do that but also like i i feel like that's that's sort of two different cases because music is so subjective right but right yeah you can say like all right this is what this person was in sports you can say this is what this person was supposed to do this right. is what they actually did this is like expectation versus result and you go from there with yeah like with a lot of these uh Anthony, whatever his last name is, videos, he'll just say, like, uh, I didn't quite care for the song, though it featured strings and some guitar riffs 
And I'm like, you're just fucking listing so off. So it's like a summary? Like, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm like, you're not analyzing this at all. And I think that I think that I can be I can be like the insufferable here's what this song is doing person uh, as I like to do with the Taylor Swift stuff. But I don't know that when I say like, this is this, that like a year later, I won't look back and be like, Hey, did you consider this? Right. You know? So like it's, it's correct that that, that music, the music critic genre and art, I think is dying, especially because now, there needs to be a turnaround time for everything. Everything needs to be immediate. There needs to be a ringer exit survey on right. a Taylor Swift song an hour after it comes out. Yeah. And that's just not how it should work. And like that's not to say that like you can't have sort of the same experience with movies where like I didn't like this the first time I saw it and then like the more I watched it I kind of it had like a different experience or something and you took in separate things. But I think for the most part, you can have a strong, solid takeaway or like a general feeling about a movie after watching it for the first time. Right. And it's a lot easier to be like, okay, that was good. And here's what was wrong about it. And here's what I didn't like. And here's what didn't work and things like that. Music just takes uh, There's just more uh, layers to music right, that you have takes... to kind of chip down into. And I don't know that the average person cares to, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I think that the average person is like, Hey, I listened to that album. I gave it a shot. Don't really care for it. And then like they move on, which is fine. And it's happened to me a lot where I'll hear an album and I'll be like, I couldn't get into this. And then like two or three weeks later, I'll have something in my head and I'll be like, what was that? What, what, what's this song that I've stuck in my head? And I'll be like, Oh, it's that thing from that thing I gave up on a million years ago. And then I'll go listen to it and I'll be like, this was grown on me. So yeah, that's why music's better than everything else, man. <laughs> music can just affect a person in a way that, I think that most uh, other art and other things. And I think can. like a lot of people, like like myself, are like myself in that. Like when I listen to music, it's very easy to be like, okay, I like that, or I didn't like that. But it's extremely hard to break down why, and it's extremely hard to break down like, here's how this song could be better. Here's you know, because I'm not a music person, so I don't have like that background, yeah. or that like can can like, like contextual like. Here, like, I don't have the sort of the depth to music that you might have or a music critic might ha- might have. So it's very hard, I think, for, like, a music critic to, to be able to, like, break that down. My thing recently with music has been... Because uh, I, I went on a huge Vampire Weekend kick recently, and I love how they don't really leave any fat on any of their songs. Their songs are generally short. And like the, their song, Diane Young, I think might be the, fir- like the first 60 seconds of that song has like more in that 60 seconds just excitement-wise than 99% of other songs you hear. And I'm like, that's so impressive that they can... And that's like, that's all Rostam. Like that they can just like pack all this into such a quick little... Uh, little space and then like i i go and like i was listening to crowded house the other day and uh because i decided i want to know more than just that one song that they have and i'm like man you're you're doing like three verses before you get to a chorus like we don't get all day so like little things like that are uh i don't know just like well whatever you're feeling you compare it to other stuff anyway uh let's uh let's talk a little ad astra to to wrap this up well, Which was supposed I, I to be know. like 
I didn't have any any say in uh in the Between Two Ferns movie thing. I, I oh, thought, true. No, it sucked. So you, yeah. said, you said that it sucked. The Between Two Ferns parts were funny, and then everything else sucked. Yeah, so like it was very stupid, but it also like what do you expect when you're going into a Between Two Ferns movie? I liked that it was like an hour and twenty minutes. I thought that some of the jokes were funny. I thought that the Between Two Ferns parts were funny. They Those had were all nice great. cameos, but like other than that, it was a very stupid movie that was an easy watch. Like I'm going to forget that it, it exists in probably a month or so. But I didn't come away from it being like, God, why did I do that? It was just a, it was a stupid watch that I somewhat enjoyed. I hate that I that this was one of my takeaways because maybe maybe they're not putting her in the right things. I think I'm starting to think is Lauren Lapkus good? So I told you that I listened to her podcast, right? And I oh, just no. like didn't. I was like, ah, oh, no. didn't get it. Oh, yeah. it was just like too. I don't know if it was just like too bubbly or like too oh, goofy. She's positive? Ugh, yeah. Get out of here. So yeah, I mean, I like her. I think she's. I, I think she's awesome I in want Crashing, her to be but great. she's in more of a serious role in Crashing and in uh, her episode of the characters. I thought stunk, and uh, she was in that terrible Sherlock Holmes movie with Will Ferrell. But like, I want her to be I'm, great. Right? Yeah. Like I, I want to root for her. I don't well, it's, know what, it's she has when, some quality about her that like is very endearing. It's tough when the first thing you see someone in, you really like them in. And that's like my first exposure to her was crashing. And then everything you see them in after is not good. Yeah. Because you're like, are they, you, you just wonder, like, are they being you put in the wrong up. things or is, or are they just not great? Like, I'll tell you, I thought pretty early, like with uh, uh, Pete Davidson, mm-hmm. like there's a good chance this guy's not funny. And we, we've just right. all decided that we're, we're rooting for him and we love him and blah, blah, blah. And like, that, that's great. R- root for him all you want. But like, like, At the end of the day, I, th- I think that people are starting to realize, like, oh, yeah, he's not very funny. Like, he's, not, he's not a bad guy. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So, so like, I think the thing with Pete Davidson, the one thing that can save him is uh, is acting. Like, he's starting to be in movies and stuff. And okay. if he's good in that, like, people like him enough that I think that he could succeed mm-hmm. in, 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 like, the movie thing. Because people like him. They want to see more of him. And if he has stuff written for him and he has time to, like, perfect the delivery and be good in movies, I think that that's something that could be really, really good for him. But, like, in Saturday Night Live, he's not that good because right. he always breaks character and uh. he, like, always just plays the young person or whatever. Right. There's not a lot of range there. And I haven't seen enough of his stand-up to know if it's good or not. But, like, I don't think that it's... I saw his stand uh, I saw him do stand-up once and... Uh, he was fine, but like it was so early that I was like, "Oh, this is that this is that yeah. kid." Like I, because it was at a it was at a comedy festival, and I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm rooting for this guy." And I don't know, like just his roasts are pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So I enjoy him on roasts. I think that's probably like the most thing that I enjoy him on at this point. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how we got in the the comparison between those two, but I'll say this: her character in Between Two Ferns. Nobody was going to nail that. Nobody was going to make that funny because it wasn't none funny. Of, none of the uh, none of the characters, none of the secondary exactly. characters. Exactly. So were I'm good. like, so I look at that and I look at uh, Sherlock Holmes, and I'm like, actually, I take those that were back. just jobs. I think the the girl who constantly rejects the uh, the guests was kind of funny. Oh yeah, yeah. She was pre- that was a pretty good bit. Who was it? Uh, that, oh, was it uh, what's his face? Uh, Jason Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, yeah. that's very funny. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, so yeah, that, that actually was a funny non between two ferns part. Otherwise, uh, I think that only the between two ferns parts were funny, but they, those were very funny. His I like show the, at the end, the the talk show that he gets. Yeah, that's basically my dream. My <laughs> yeah. like that that is 
and he ends up getting a talk show, but it's like such a stupid talk show, and uh, it's just like your standard talk show for like Jimmy Fallon, blah blah blah, that kind of crap. But like too stupid. And I'm like, so they use that as the example of like, all right, this isn't fulfilling. This isn't good. Uh, he's like, like, my dream. <laughs> he's doing exactly what I want to be doing. He asks uh, Gal Gadot. Yeah. Gal Gadot says, uh, you play Wonder Woman. I wonder, woman, how much fun was that? <laughs> it's and then so he gets, stupid. And then like everyone cheers yeah. and he gets up and he starts like dancing. <laughs> and like that was the interview. Right. That was it. That is Oh god, that's all I want to do. That is all I want to do. Oh, so man. good. Um, and then the the outtakes were very. The outtakes very funny. were the best part of the movie. Phoebe Bridgers. So actually, you know, maybe I've the outtakes and the uh, the the Chirons, whatever you decide. like, the lower third. Yeah, things? yeah, those things were hilarious. Oh right, right. Yeah, th- those are always good. Benadryl Cumberbatch, yeah. or whatever it was, great. Uh, uh, Paul Rudd was Aunt Man. Yes, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like there, there are some tidbits in that movie that make it worth watching. Also, it's 120 minutes. Okay, on Netflix. It's free. Uh, Ad Astra. Ad Astra. Don't care about space. Uh, what, what, what did you think of it? Uh, so I thought Ad Astra was. I thought it was good. Same. I, I thought that the like the visuals were amazing from a technical Incredible. standpoint. It was unbelievable. I thought Brad Pitt was really strong, and I thought that it was a uh, a like moving but not necessarily enthralling story of like this guy in space. Yeah, if if you're given like a Rotten Tomatoes type score, I'm saying like between seventy seven and eighty two. I think that's exactly where I'd put it too. Like I liked it. I I knew as I was watching it, I was like. This isn't unbelievable, but not every movie has to be unbelievable. It is. You can't take your eyes off it, though. Yeah. It looks so great. The uh, the scene where she's telling him something important about uh, their families, mm-hmm. and the walls are just like kind of lightly pulsing and changing colors, just b- like barely. Was I was like. Oh my god! If I were a musician, I would call up whoever does music videos and be like, "Hey, my next music video, Has I'm to be in that, that room." <laughs> yeah, it, it looked great. Just like the way that the light hit their face a lot, and it was just—it was a visually. This is probably a cliche, but like, it's visually stunning movie. It was it was spectacular, and uh, like Brad Pitt looked great as well. Um, it was. So, like, that scene where they're on Mars, I believe, and, uh, like, they're standing in this hallway, and there's light, there's, like, light fixtures, Mm -hmm. and the light turns black as it goes down the hallway. That scene was amazing. All of it was, was really, really cool. And so my biggest, like, criticism coming away from this movie was that there are no strong secondary characters in this movie, and every secondary character is in the movie for about... 10 minutes, then they're gone, and that's it. And then the more that I thought about it, I think that that works for the movie. I think that that was maybe intentionally done. He's such an isolated person. Exactly. And like you feel detached from all these secondary characters. You don't really get to know them. You don't know what they're about and their motivations or anything. But again, I think that's done intentionally because he is this isolated guy who's just totally self-absorbed. And I love that. It turned into my biggest criticism into one of my biggest, like, I really like that they did this. I 1,000% agree with that. Also, another one where you can't tell if they did it on purpose, there's not really character development. He starts as this kind of isolated guy, and he has interactions with other people, and by the end of it, he 
comes across some people and some things, but there's really not like a lot of growth. And I can't tell if that was on purpose or not because they use, uh, they use psych tests as a way of like telling the viewer how this guy's doing. So he takes these psych tests this is set in the, the future and uh, he fails them. And then at the end, he takes one and he passes it. Like, that's not a huge spoiler or whatever. Uh, so, like, that that's, like, the the way that they show you how this guy's growing. Otherwise, there isn't, there aren't really, like, scenes or moments that make you think, okay, he's, t- he's taken this last thing and he's learned from it. It's just kind of me, myself, and I the whole way. I feel like it's very linear. Where it's just like they're getting to, to, to like a one point and there's not a lot of twists or whatever. You kind of see where the entire thing is going. And like it, it, it's not going to like it's not going to shock you. But like I just like the journey of getting there. And I like the uh, I, I really like the aspect of like his relationship with his dad and sort of mm-hmm. like that sort of roller coaster experience. I, I wish there was more of it. Because it was, again, like every secondary character has about 10 minutes and then you're done. Right. And that includes his father. And I just really enjoyed that aspect of the story and wish we got more of it. Um, but I I mean, like there is so like, okay, so we'll, I'll drop it in. Like we're right. getting into spoilers here. If you want to see it, go see it or whatever. <laughs> now that but, you've heard a spoiler. No, we can. I'll, I'll, I'll do it in post. Oh, one of my favorite parts is that. He finds out that his dad basically like sacrificed other people to sort of keep his mission going. That's like a huge spoiler, we should say. So, uh, yeah, so like he finds out on the way to going to see his dad that like his dad basically killed uh, a bunch of people that he was were on his mission because they were going to jeopardize the mission, right? And basically abort. And so, like Brad Pitt's reaction was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe my dad is like sort of like this monster," and it was like this jarring realization for him. But like, there are so many parallels between him and his dad. And then Brad Pitt ends up doing the exact same thing like moments later in like sacrificing a bunch of people that were standing in the way of his mission. Uh, And so like, I really like that. And they didn't, they weren't like totally in your face about like, he, he the exact same thing is happening right right but no but he he finds himself in a situation yeah he he i'd argue that he probably has i don't know it's, uh, i was gonna say less of a say in the matter than his dad did but we don't necessarily know that maybe right. it was like the same exact thing because if you're to, if you're to explain if you were to explain what he did it would sound a lot like, like what his dad like did. on paper what his dad did yeah so and- yeah i like that 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 he ends that that that's what brings him in contact with him, and uh, also it's what like brings it's what ties them together. Like he has a better understanding of his dad and why his dad did what he did. Like, but he, he still thinks his bad dad's a bad guy, and he probably so he probably also thinks he that that he's, he's a, a bad, bad guy. guy. Like, yeah. I think that that you he recognizes what his dad did was really wrong, and and he sort of holds that against him, but he also. Under, has a better understanding of who his dad is and why his dad did that, and it doesn't necessarily like make him irreparable. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I think that that was really, really cool. Insufferable is the word. Yes. Um, uh, my uh, two last things on Ad Astra. One, uh, the comfort room, which is where they send you when you need to calm down. Not at all comforting. This is the least comforting thing <laughs> yeah, in the world. It makes you feel like you're on the signs. worst psychedelic drugs in the world. Yeah. It's the walls are moving flowers. Literally neon. Midsomar. 2019 <laughs> like the flowers are breathing and moving around would totally freak me out i would not be able to calm down there's with that. nothing in the room it's just like a chair right and that is so unsettling and then his last psych test yeah he uh kind of rambles so <laughs> you, t- you you take the psych test by like plugging in this thing and they ask you some questions and then you talk and they can get a read on your heart rate or whatever and they're like okay all done he's like feeling good I believe that in my life, blah, blah, blah. And the psych test's like, okay, we got to read. All set. Don't, oh, God. Here he goes. Uh, you know, that movie okay, is... Okay, okay, okay. That, good. Pat. This guy won't shut the fuck up. You, you know, passed. <laughs> all done. Uh, my takeaway was uh, some of my notes. I said that movie was basically an amazing uh, high-budget Black Mirror episode. Wouldn't know. Yeah, you Don't wouldn't know. Don't know what you're about. But... Uh, Another one of my uh, another one of my notes. Wow, space monkeys! That was a wild yes, scene. That is, that's where I was like, okay, we're uh, we're at a fork in the road now. Movie, are <laughs> what we are we become becoming? Crazy, right? Yes. Yeah, that was. A but they re- they reel it in though. Yeah, they, they absolutely do. They explain that they they got some some test primates going on. Yeah, it was just totally unforeseen and just completely out of left field that there was just a space monkey brought in. And my final note is that. Uh, Liv Tyler just can't stop marrying in space movies. Yep. Liv Tyler can't stop marrying dudes who just leave dead dads in space. Yes. Yeah. That was. I, I also saw that, that that parallel. But I don't know. Like, what else is Liv Tyler doing these days? Exactly. Hmm. 